Welcome to the UFTA Podcast. Hosted by Emily O'Connor and Jordan Rudolph. The UFTA Podcast brings you a surprisingly fresh take on everyday topics in health, fitness, and everything in between. We want to open the door to explore new information and new solutions in a way that's easy for you to understand and apply to your own life. Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode number two of the UFTA podcast. I'm Jordan and I am here with... Hey guys, it's Emily back for another episode today. Um, A lot of exciting topics on deck uh, that we are going to kind of touch into like we kind of told you last week. Our main topic will be if you can train fat loss forever. So we'll get into uh, a little of that discussion We have some nutrition, uh, talking a little pre-workout meal, and uh, talking a little bit of trending fitness uh, topics that we've kind of been thinking about as well. Um, That one might just be more of a rant today than anything else, but we'll see what happens when we get there. (laughs) Some of these these topics we have written down, guys, some of them are ones that Emily and I I are just talking about it right before the show, and we hit record. And sometimes it's like maybe we should just have a recording around conversations that we we're just having all the time. And then we can just put those conversations in the show too. But obviously we're in a strict format here. Yeah. Setting up an office and doing things this way. Absolutely. Um, before we dive in, have you been reading anything? Listening to anything? Ooh. That's not a beer, guys. That's not a beer. <laughs> That's not a beer. It's, it's, it's only uh, 11.22 a.m. On a Taco Tuesday of this recording, um, I have been fin- I'm finishing up Tim Grover's newest book, Winning, who is the author of Relentless, who is the strength and conditioning coach and conditioning coach of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, amongst a couple other uh, NBA players, and I think Russell Wilson now is is his guy uh, in the NFL. Um, so I'm finishing up Winning. Uh, I don't have a book on deck necessarily I have multiple options that I can choose from next but winning's my big one and then I've just been buried into the TPI the Titleist Performance Institute world of the golf certification online um, to become a golf performance swing coach nice nice yeah I know you're excited about that for sure yeah yeah more so than anything probably I, I don't view so much of the rabbit holes like what they had for for the fitness and the power side, there was modules on there and there's rabbit hole or there's modules of certain topics that you can go down and there's, you know, 30 30 videos within the module or something. I don't view that as a rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Like, this is good. And then I see like just on wedges or putting, there's 46. And I'm like, holy crap, this is going to take me weeks to get done Um, and everything else. But super excited about it. Learning a lot getting to implement it now that the golf season's kind of finally here to actually be able to practice out on the course has been fun too but there's still a lot to work on and uh, I'm excited to be able to teach this as well um, and just become more well-rounded and I'm actually learning a lot about fitness stuff here's a cool topic did you know from a motor learning standpoint um, so like guys this is what we would be talking about like riding a bike is a motor learning skill versus like a cognitive skill of something that you remember short-term or long-term, like a cognitive thing, right? But a motor learning pattern, uh, we can't ever unlearn it. We have to learn something new to replace it. And then we have to teach the brain basically the sequences to 
do the replaced movement that we want over the faulty movement or the old movement that we don't want anymore. So in a golf swing, somebody who comes over the top or is a disconnected takeaway or doesn't rotate, that is like their predominant golf swing, assuming that their body is capable of making any swing possible. So rather than saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, you're going to keep doing that, we have to show that person how to do something else and make sure that that actually sticks rather than just saying, don't do that, do this. Like they, they have to actually learn how to do, instead of unlearning it, they'll never be able to unlearn something that's always there. I don't know that I knew that specific fact. It makes, as you explain that, it makes sense even from like an exercise standpoint. When, 100% why I brought it up. Right? When we're working with someone, say like on a squat, for example, mm-hmm. there's a million and one ways to do an incorrect squat. But then when you say, hey, on this one, I want you to do this instead of focusing on like, oh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I want you to focus on spreading the floor with your feet, not you know, don't just push your feet through the floor. Um, That makes a lot more sense from like an exercise standpoint as well. Yeah, that's where my mind goes automatically as obviously exercise coaches, fitness coaches, strength and conditioning, however you want to label us. But that's where I thought like we've been working on some of the stuff with the same people for a long time. And we kind of know that they'll still fall into that pattern. Maybe it's because their body's stressed or they're tired or uh, the workout, like the weight's too heavy, right? They'll right. still fall back to those faulty still, patterns that yeah. we're trying to correct. So yeah. it's very interesting then from the golf side of it, that's what they're working on. I'm like, oh, that's the same for exercise too. Right. So it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily an unlearning. It's just mm-hmm. a preferential selection. This would be running season. Pattern. Yeah, yeah, running season's coming up. I just think about like that's where mile, you know, if someone's running a marathon, mm-hmm. miles 1 through 19 aren't probably where they're going to get hurt. It's 19 through, what is it, right. 23.2? 26.2. 26.2, right? It could be the end when they're starting to get tired and some of those old developmental patterns came back and that's where, right? right? Super fascinated by that, yeah. yeah. A couple doctors are presenting this information and they've been doing the research since like 1976, so they're okay. probably pretty well-versed in it. Um, but yeah, fascinated by that. So that's that's kind of what I'm diving into right now and obviously just my standard Brad Thor series of books that keep my mind uh, fresh and, and, uh, into my fantasy world, fiction world of things. Nice. Um, yeah. But what about you? What are you, what are you reading? What are you listening to lately? Ooh. Um, so my, I just finished Wim Hof's book on breathing. So that was an exciting kind of re-diving into some of his methodology. Um, and my next book up actually relates to the more recent or most recent podcast I listened to. Um, on the Growth Equation podcast, and it was one of their most recent episodes. It was about everyone is tired all the time, and here's what you can do about it. So it really caught my eye because I'm like, well, there's a lot of people we've kind of talked about with our getting in the groove month here at Unity Fitness. Like a lot of people are just kind of fatigued, that tiredness, just kind of un unmotivated, if you will. Um, so they kind of dove into, and that's Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus are the the two guys that run that podcast. And they talked about how everyone kind of since COVID and even before then has been living in like kind of this low grade, just fatigue, call it like a little bit of low grade anxiety. Um, There's a lot of things obviously that have happened culturally that have been major life events, um, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and just kind of created this 
I don't know if it's feeling atmosphere of just always being on the increased technology um, has something is something that I've become very aware of and trying to do my best to like turn off at night, like put the phone on, do not disturb, not be on it, that kind of thing. Uh, and they talked about how when we're living in this kind of low grade fatigue, we have to take steps to not just like rest and turn off because the body doesn't necessarily know how to be off it's always like at this low level of on so even when we're off we're still kind of on subconsciously um and they talked about actually pushing our body whether that's in a hard workout or some sort of like state altering uh thing to experience like hey this is stress so like hard workouts hard intervals was one of the examples they used and then feel that then full rest to kind of almost press the reset button and say like, hey, here is stress, here is not stress versus just kind of that low grade stress. So I thought that was really interesting um, from just like an overall content consumption perspective. Um, they also recommended turning down your content uh, subscription and like how much you consume of that content um, in terms of like news and notifications and all of those types of things that might just like keep pinging that stress response to be alert all the day um, without that full rest. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and I'm diving into Practice of Groundedness as my next book um, is kind of on deck, has been on deck. I ordered it quite a while ago, but so that's kind of furthering that like exploration into doing less and being turned on less in life. Uh, probably a thing more and more that without even like hearing about that book or even knowing the growth equation podcast and what they just talked about more and more what people need lately. We're always searching for something to like stimulate and like appease and take our mind off the other things, but that's actually creating like the brain doesn't work that way. The brain needs decompression time. The brain needs time to actually just lay back fulfill and that's actually how we learn that's actually how we yeah. grow we we can't keep stimulating and keep stimulating like when you i don't know if anybody listening to this has ever played an instrument but you don't learn the instrument overnight you actually learn it from taking time away from the instrument um, where your brain can kind of catch up strength training is a very similar aspect to that and how the body can physically and neurologically adapt but yeah uh, there's there's just so much that we don't know i think mm -hmm. uh that the experts don't know about how the brain works more and more they know more and more each day but decompression is a, a big thing like that it can be stimulated it can be strengthened right it's mm -hmm. like a strength training thing and in the in terms of the strength training world the brain right now is probably just getting a ton of like death by a thousand cuts uh just every day tons of reps uh, lightweight right but eventually that catches up with you too absolutely absolutely and kind of like you were talking about with the motor learning like we have to the brain telling your brain just like relax just do it just relax isn't necessarily going to do it we have to go and change our state um sometimes in the opposite direction so that the brain can kind of learn like oh yes like this is stress this is not stress so kind of yeah talk about a little bit too yeah it's interesting it that stimulus before i forget to i didn't say thank you which i wanted to do first thing in this episode and i already forgot we're 12 minutes in almost 11 minutes in 12 minutes in and uh i want to say thank you to everybody who reached out after the first episode from friends, family, members at Unity Fitness, uh, former coaches here at Unity Fitness. We had a ton of feedback and response from that within the first 24 hours, and we're still getting it today right now, um, of saying how much they enjoyed it, 
how uh, real it was and how easily applicable some of these things were. Um, and, and we don't really know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but like we don't really know who we're talking to yet, guys, but we just want to help everybody in terms of somebody who's looking for health and fitness stuff. If it's strength and conditioning coaches, if it's an MMA coach, if it's a golf coach, if it's a personal trainer, if it's members, cool. We What we ultimately want to do is just help you take some surprising takes on things in health and fitness uh, and everything in between so that you can be better informed to make a better decision to also start thinking differently. I, I think one of the things that have always irked me is how, and again, how many doctors are out there using their doctor tag to get away with false information or misleading information that actually actually is causing more harm than good for the person or if anything more confusion they and and i think the biggest thing that it does is it robs the person of how to think because it makes the person come up with all of these rules about their health and fitness and their nutrition whatever that they have to go through and and really like we should just try and figure out this trial and error and figure out for themselves right and i think that's that's kind of the biggest thing that we wanted to do here and i think emily and i both have a good filter for that we we live a lot in the middle realm uh, of certain things and we don't dive too far into the spectrums of certain things but i think the cool thing about that is that we are both very informed of both ends of the spectrum on certain topics and we're willing to listen to the other ends of the spectrum on certain topics which is a big thing because it's like a political debate. The, the left sides don't, don't, doesn't want to hear anything but the right side saying, and the same thing with the right, and then that just furthers their leftedness or furthers their rightedness, and then we just become more polarized, right? Well, the fitness industry is turning into that too, and there's no governing body over it. There's no accreditations over it, and that's probably why as well. There's no vote on fitness, right? There's nothing like that, but we know it's important. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's I what we want to try and do here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you. Yeah, just to echo Jordan's thank you, like, thank you to everybody um, for just tuning in, for listening to kind of these, like, conversations in the middle, um, and and more importantly, like, listening, but then, like Jordan said, also thinking differently, applying differently, uh, maybe changing what you're doing, maybe reinforcing what you're already doing, uh, but kind of joining us in that, like, new way, a different way of thinking about things, of acting with things, um, all within health and fitness and, and even extending beyond, um, depending on whatever the topic might be. Why don't we change topics right now? I know we have, so just talking with, with Emily right before the show, what we were going to do for the fitness topic, the trending fitness topic, and we can save this one and we can just talk about this really quick. So, cause I, I don't want to feel like this is just us on a rant, but I looked up <laughs> hashtag fitness on Instagram and all my billion posts that I can see on there and I scrolled for days guys for days on this and I could not find a damn picture or video I found one I found one picture and one video of the fitness hashtag of somebody actually doing a fitness workout like something of an exercise and in my mind when I think fitness that's what I think like something about exercise something about fitness what I did see was a lot of selfies, a lot of booty pics, a lot of half naked or almost all naked people, a lot of posing, a lot of modeling, um, a lot of out of the gym stuff. And apparently fitness has become this aesthetics thing. And it's only about aesthetics. It's not about anything else. And I don't feel like that's what fitness is. So maybe we can talk about this now since I'm already on it. But I wanted to actually <laughs> bring it back into the motor learning thing. Oh, and, yeah. and your strong take for today about like you can't just out-train out train. a movement that you don't know yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I'll let you decide. I'm going to throw that back there. But that was the original fitness topic, and that's like I just kind of brought up, brought up the other one. But I kind of like throwing Emily under these spontaneous decisions um, because she's very I calculated. I don't like when you do that at yeah. all. She's very calculated and structured, and I am not. Um, so I'm going to let her decide which one we're going to talk about, and then we're going to go into that fitness to- trending fitness topic for this episode. I think we throw it back to the motor learning. We save the aesthetics. We've kind of teased it already for for next week because I think that fits in uh, that you guys don't know what we have planned, but we kind of know what we have planned, so I think that one might fit well there um, and, as and, opposed to our motor learning one here. Yeah, and piggybacking off of your strong takes that you're doing on your on your sure. social media, um, coincidentally it goes into the motor learning thing, mm-hmm. but one of the things, guys, that... A lot of people don't understand why we do what we do here is we do something called a ramp. It's a range of motion activation movement prep. It's the first thing in your workouts right after breathing. Breathing's part of the ramp. And a lot of that ramp is to get you out of your old habits, get you into a primed position for new habits or at least to a a workout that has um, uh, the lowest dosage possible of um, inactive muscles or proper improper range of motion, right? We want to get you fully functional for the workout or the, the activity at hand. Um, and that's what we try to do in a ramp. And a lot of that, again, is if we can get super specific on a person, we're getting them out of their old habits into some new ones and get into that new motor learning. Mm-hmm. What you talked about in your strong take today was you can't just bypass it and just go to the next thing. You have to actually train in that position. For sure. I think so. My strong takes, I'm doing 30 days of kind of like it started as a hot take, now it's kind of transformed into a strong take because as I started looking up what hot take actually meant, I realized that they weren't actually hot takes because they were actually founded in some some science and some backing there. So we're going with strong takes. Um, but talking about how I, like you can't out-train something you're lacking, right? Like Jordan was talking about, we have to build on these movement patterns and we have to establish the pattern first before we start to load that pattern. So to tie it back to our um, motor learning, we have to be able to give the body the right stimulus to say, hey, this is how I want to move before we just say, hey, let's move. And if we don't have the experience in the pattern, like as someone who's been training for years, I could probably just do a squat and not have to think about it as opposed to when we're just teaching the body how to move, how learning it, how to control all of the joints of the body, almost simultaneously doing a bunch of different things and movements, whether that's a squat where we're flexing at the hip and the knee, we're extending through the upper back and the T-spine, probably holding on to a weight of some sort, depending on the load, we have to teach the body how to move in those patterns. And that's where we can tie in that ramp to almost prime that body to say, hey, this is how you move the hip individually, the knee individually, the T-spine individually, and then we combine all of those things together into that global movement pattern, if you will. Um, And skipping that step really doesn't do anybody any good. You're going to have to go back to it and learn the movement at some point. And hopefully the goal is not having injury be that point that draws you back to to the beginning, if you will. Yeah, injury changes everything. Toxins, thoughts, traumas, uh, and technique are the four T's that change how we move and how we do things. And and injury is one of the biggest ones there. I even think, guys, if we want to relate it back to episode one, even something as simple as walking, 
like as easy as that is and as accessible as walking is, a lot of people don't walk correctly. They don't use their abs. They don't use their glutes. They use too much hip flexor, too much low back. They don't step appropriately. They don't push off appropriately. They don't have the proper foot swing and the, and the gait patterns, right? So um, we get used to that pattern based on how our body is feeling and mechanically, however, things are working, right? But to learn a new way to walk, you have to focus on it and it's going to feel abnormal. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel totally different and maybe uncomfortable, but it maybe is the right way to walk, the correct way to walk. And it's basically up to you and how much value you hold over it if you want to change it or not. In a gym setting, will a squat help you uh, lose you know, 10 pounds? Will a squat help you perform better on the court uh, or on the field or anything else like that? The, the argument could be made either way. Uh, but we know that a squat is a movement that is a fundamental pattern of a human being and every human being and every human body should be able to squat. It's all going to look a little bit differently based on anatomy. But if there's things in there that are producing that, that your squat is producing um, faulty patterns or creating pain or resulting in an injury, like that's what we aim to change as a coaches here at Unity. We kind of look at it as a movement pattern first and we try to look at the motor learning pattern within our scope, not physical therapy, motor learning, and, and occupational therapy, motor learning, but within our scope uh, of that through uh, strength training and corrective exercise um, with a little bit of like neuromuscular stuff tied in, but again, keeping it within our realm as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where it can sometimes be frustrating because, I mean, learning anything takes time, and that's where it can be tempting to kind of skip ahead and just move through it or not train. We've talked a lot about intention lately here at the gym, like training with that intention. Like, oh, are we intending to just train our squat for strength? Are we intending to control the depth into the bottom of the squat? Are we intending, kind of what's the intention behind the exercise? And sometimes that can frame that learning, like having a goal as you move into a session, whether it's the session itself or in this case, a specific exercise. Um, whether it's, hey, this is my, my goal is to push the weight a little bit, I'm feeling confident, body feels good, or hey, uh, not feeling so great in my ramp, I checked in with my body, not sure how I'm feeling, I'm going to focus on my hips didn't feel quite right, I'm maybe going to add in a few extra warm-up sets and focus on that first, and then maybe move on to what you had planned, or maybe that's what you stick with for that day too. Um, all of that kind of learning can help dictate your intention moving into a session. Yeah, and, and that's why we do the ramp the way we do it rather than saying if we are going to squat or bench press that day, we don't just jump right into a bar on our back or a bar on our hands to, to bench press or squat. Like we actually go through some movement-based, motor learning pattern-based stuff that should help you produce a better-looking squat or a better-looking bench press XYZ uh, without having to try it, we just want you now to kind of go back to that mentality of like move the bar, mm-hmm. um, but you can do it at a higher level because of the motor learning that we're working on. And some of the stuff's redundant. Like we stretch hip flexors out every hip flexors out every day, mm-hmm. right? That we're sitting right now, so we would do a hip flexor stretch to clean that up and help us get a f- better functional hip to take pressure off our low back, get more ab engagement, more glute engagement, help us with our walking, our running, our performance stuff. It's, it's obviously something that you and I can probably do a whole topic on. And thank goodness you guys only have to hear us talk about this for like six minutes. So another like 30 <laughs> seconds. But that's that's part of that motor learning thing. Like 
when you go to learn something, you you should have a coach to help you learn it, mm-hmm. um, regardless of the activity, right? Because if you're gonna just if you're gonna take it seriously and hold value to, towards it, if you do it the wrong way, it's it's just gonna be harder and harder for you to get out of it. But that's also like where practice comes in, and I think that's where, like the all all the athletes that we know and love that we hold as heroes, like the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordans, the Tiger Woods, you know, all those guys. Their practice is relentless and their craft is relentless. The, and perfection comes into play a lot there. I don't like that word, but they also spent a lot more time practicing and working on their weaknesses and trying to learn that new stuff rather than just uh, bypassing it and trying to force their way into it for a quick fix. For sure, for sure. Just taking that time and building that foundation so you can hypothetically build that taller pyramid as well. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of wrapping up that. I mean, we talked a lot about workouts and kind of actually leads into our nutrition topic for the day. I know you had, you had suggested this one, so I'll kind of let you take it away and start this one off. But talking about a little pre-workout meals, what do we eat before a workout? What's the best thing to eat? When to eat? Um, yeah, what, take it away with their pre-workout meals. I think one of the things that I wanted to touch base on, this is a conversation I've had a couple times in the gym in the last week or so. And a lot of the times I forget to talk about this because it's, is it the most important thing? We don't know. Probably not. And the other part of it is, well, I've already talked about that a hundred times. Why didn't you hear me talk about it the hundred times? Like, so now I have to talk about 101. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So a pre-workout meal can dictate the performance of a workout, uh, from top to bottom and how well that you feel during the workout, how strong you feel and how well you do what you eat and when you eat it can dictate that. So if it's a if it's a full meal, like if you're doing a full-fledged meal before a workout, if you're not doing it first thing in the morning, um, a meal uh, should be probably about 90 minutes to two hours before the workout, depending on how your metabolism is. If it's a snack, maybe 60 to 90 minutes. If it's like a liquid form, like a smoothie of some sort, probably like 45-ish, because um, those are more easily digestible. But what you eat then, like if you're going to eat more fats you will probably not have as high of a performance based on your workout unless you're doing something endurance wise. Um, you, you probably won't feel quite as strong. You might not feel as much energy, but you might burn more fat as fuel during the workout. It might not be much more, but you might have more fat mobilization because of the fat that you consumed. So kind of what you, what you, what you use as fuel during the workout is what you ate before the workout is the ultimate tagline there. Um, therefore then if you do some carbohydrates with some fats, a little bit of fat and a little bit of protein before a workout, but more carb dominant, you will probably have a better overall workout. You will probably perform better. You will probably have more energy. You will probably feel stronger and be able to do more, which then in the long term could help you build more lean muscle and burn more fat. But there's not really, um, a right or wrong here. It's, it's more so like what you feel best with. But if you're somebody who is maybe overweight and wants to try and burn more fat more frequently, that would be something where you would favor the, the, the higher fat, maybe a little bit of, you know, some vegetable and some protein before a workout. If you're more performance-based and you want to kind of test some strength numbers and work really hard at the gym and feel good, that would be the more carb side of things with, the, with a little bit of protein and maybe, uh, with some protein and maybe a little bit of fat afterward uh, with it too. For, for after that. So it kind of depends on your goals, kind of depends on your body type, but it also just kind of depends on preference. Yeah, I like what you said about there about preference because I think like different workouts can have different preferences for different people as well. So as we kind of spout all these ideas, 
also coming into play is, like Dorian a little bit touched on, is like the type of workout you're heading into. And that can vary per person or even per the day. Um, Like I know if I'm going to go out for a long run, I'm going to eat very differently than if I'm going to come in and come strength train, right? So for a longer run, I know personally, I don't do well with a full meal before. So I'll often have some sort of like quick granola bar, rice cakes with maybe a little bit of peanut butter or some jelly on them, like just something small. I don't like running with a lot of food uh, ahead of time. If it's a race or something extremely long distance, that's a little bit different, but kind of your average long training run for me, which is, you know, eight to 12 miles, let's say, I I prefer to eat smaller and then eat on the way versus if I'm going to strength train, like I love having a full meal. I used to think I didn't. Um, and then I started eating before I worked out and realized it was great. So, so I think kind of diving into your personal preference is also a big indicator and can be a big game changer in terms of like what works best for you, like knowing the science behind it and perhaps using that science to dictate almost like your own self experiment, if you will, uh, to see what feels best for you depending on the type of workout you're doing and just stressing that individuality um, within all of that as well. There's there's a lot of trial and error in this to figure it out what works best. We know what the science will tell us, but ultimately what your body tells us can can overrule some of the science, right? Like, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So not everything's going to work uh, exactly how you're going to read it in a book and how we learned about it. But we know, again, performance-wise, strength training-wise, high-intensity-wise, probably carb-based. Carbs should never be eaten alone, so you want to have a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat with that. Smaller amount of fat. Um, If you're looking for more endurance, a little bit lighter in the stomach, a little bit more long-term fuel, maybe a little bit more fat mobilization. Again, and it's not so much that you're going to notice a drastic difference, but it it could help in the long term, right? Uh, You're going to do a little bit more fat-based with some protein and just a tiny tiny bit of carb. So there's a lot that could go through there. It does depend on the person. It can alter the workout. You, you, you might feel a performance boost even off of fat, uh, off of a fat-based one. You could feel more endurance. You could feel like you can go longer into the, into the session, depending on what type it is. Um, but that's, that's kind of how food is, food is kind of nourishment and fuel for the body, but there's some that, that nourish and fuel differently than, than others for macronutrient-wise. Um, but again, preference, preference is a big one. Like I know... Like one of my preferred for a strength training is a PB&J or a CB&J right now uh, with gluten-free bread. Uh, that's that's kind of been my go-to. Um, and I like to feel light during my workout. I don't want to feel heavy or weighed down. I know oatmeal before a workout is not good because my body takes so long to digest oatmeal. I am I, I do not do well with oatmeal before a workout. Like yeah, unless it's same. unless it's multiple hours before, like four or five, right? And then I have a little snack prior. But like I had oatmeal before the show today, I can still feel it digesting. I would not do well in going out to work out right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. I think finding finding those like go tos and having those readily available can really make the difference um, in terms of like just the performance in the workout and just feeling good. Like no one wants to go into the gym and just like feel like a trash whenever you're mm-hmm. you're trying to work out. And the last thing you want to do is kind of almost make that self inflicted by the the food choices that you're eating. Um, before you work out yeah if if you work out first thing in the morning um 
you don't need to eat prior to, right? Mm -hmm. Just get, get the workout done. If you have time, cool. But you should give your body some time to digest it because otherwise the food just kind of sits there in the stomach if it hasn't been digested and that probably doesn't feel so great and your performance is going to suck anyway because you're not digesting the food that you thought you were going to use for performance. Um, if you're in a pinch or if you don't have anything to eat uh, prior to, at least some essential amino acids or a protein shake, something like that that you can sip on. You don't have to chug it, but sip on during your workout is another one too to make sure that you're at least preserving muscle tissue because the last thing we would want to do during any type of workout is lose muscle, right? Lean muscle or, or otherwise, we, we don't want to have that used as fuel source. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, I don't know that I have anything to add to that. Cool, hopefully we helped you guys <laughs> on it. I can, I can cut that out if we need to, but... No, we're, we're good, we're good. So we can, we can go into episode number two's full-blown trending fitness topic and this is one that's a little bit near and dear to uh my mine and emily's heart because we work primarily with individuals who uh are the main goal is fat loss or at least was in their journey so a lot of the people that we get to work with and have the honor to work with have fat loss as a part of their goal a primary goal at least at some point in their journey um, so this, this topic kind of comes from that and we have a lot to say in it. We have years of experience, 10 years on myself, and it's, uh, seven for you. Is it seven, eight? Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. yeah seven, eight, eight. Yeah. Eight. So a lot of, a lot of kind of stuff coming from this. Um, but I'll, I'll let em- Emily kind of introduce this fitness topic because it was kind of coming from her anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about today is thinking of the main topic of training for fat loss and kind of posing the question, can you train for fat loss forever, right? And now it can be a part of a lot of people's journey, like Jordan said, that we have the opportunity um, and the the fortune to work with here at Unity Fitness. But as we kind of dive into someone's fitness journey, thinking about that fat loss and can you actually do that forever? Uh, I know my gut reaction uh, is to say no, right? There, There's going to be an end point in which we have to stop training for fat loss. Um, and my kind of second gut reaction would be that point might actually even be that is before you've lost all the fat that you want to lose, right? So when we come in, say we have someone with even 30 pounds to lose. There's going to be a point as we enter that fat loss phase where maybe we bring calories down a little bit, we focus on that strength training. Um, We've talked about that, kind of referencing Alan Cosgrove uh, in terms of strength training is that like cheat code, especially when we're losing fat to make sure we're preserving, if not building muscle mass. Uh, But then also once we get those keys kind of down, we might reach a point where the body just stops losing fat at the same rate, right? Our bodies are smart. They adjust, they adapt uh, for the sake of our own health and living. Um, But within that, we then have to kind of make some some adjustments. And depending on how fast your body reaches that point of kind of that equilibrium and maybe stops burning fat and losing fat at the rate that you want to see, we might actually have to press a pause on fat loss for a short period of time to bring calories back up to maintenance uh, to potentially look at a different goal in that interim with the end goal being that continued fat loss, 
but recognizing that the body can't just keep racing to the bottom with calories, with, you know, our hard workouts, etc. That really only sets us up for maybe short-term success, but at the expense of long-term health, which I would argue is a more important goal than whatever fat we might have to lose there. It's, I think I talked about this last week. I can't remember if I did or not. But if you lost, if it, in a traditional fat loss sense, if you want to make it sustainable, you, if you lost a pound a week and you did that for a year, you're going to lose 52 pounds. Mm-hmm. Most people look at that and think, I don't have 52 pounds to lose. I can't lose 52 pounds. Okay, so then why are you trying to lose fat 52 weeks out of the year? Okay, if you did it the right way and you did it sustainably, we should only need to do this for a few months, but the body, like you noted there, isn't capable to do this long term. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing why is because when you get frustrated and it kind of gets into that mental health area, the person who's trying to lose fat starts to either give up on it and they have a little bit more, they, they, they get away with a little bit more saying, yes to things they shouldn't and no to things that they shouldn't should but they there's a couple different avenues that happen but i think the the primary one is they start eating even less and they start trying to train even more mm-hmm. and basically guys the only the only thing we really need to do for fat loss is to just be in a caloric deficit the exercise portion can help us burn more calories but everything you do during the day helps you burn more calories, literally everything, right? And what the specific type of strength training can do is sends the right signals to the body to promote uh, specific fat loss for your calories being burned and muscle preservation, which ultimately if you want those stronger joints uh, feeling when you're getting older, if you wanna feel better, if you wanna feel stronger, if you wanna look better, you're going to want more lean muscle tissue and less fat. It takes up less space. It's it's the baseball versus the uh, balloon or the volleyball in the in the uh, analogy of like a three pound, three pounds of fat, three pounds of muscle analogy. So uh, the metabolism will slow down when the ca- calories are too low. The metabolism will match it, and uh, you're basically just going to be kind of driving your head uh, into a you know into the wall because you're you're going against the grain of what you're trying to accomplish. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a no from me and my gut as well. I want to say no as well. And there's not really a specific type of exercise plan or strength training plan out there that's supposed to be for specific fat loss, but we do know that specific types of programming with specific types of rest break can lead to more fat mobilization during a workout. Um, which which your body's doing because it needs more fuel sources post-workout wise to kind of get caught back up and recover. Um, But working on strength training and helping your body build lean muscle tissue and get stronger will ramp up your metabolism, which then long-term will help burn more fat too, right? So a lot of times we get caught up in the short-term and we're, we don't focus on the long term. And I think one of the big jobs that Emily and I have to do on a constant daily, based on each session basis, is that we are looking at it from the long term point of view as your coach, mm-hmm. but still addressing short term matters. Where a lot of times the only the only thing that you see 
when you're in the mess, when you're in the shit, right? When you're when you're in the middle of it, the only thing you see is right in front of you, and the only thing you feel is what you feel right now, and that very they're very much it makes it very much harder to see the long term, and you're only focused on the short term. Absolutely, absolutely. I think kind of, and I think that's like the importance of having a coach too is like to have someone have that like outsider perspective where you can kind of get lost in what you're doing in the day to day, but having someone to bring you back to that long term. Uh, approach as well. I like what you said about kind of focusing on the short term, but maybe in a different sense of like, what if we only focused on fat loss, put a 12 week time frame on it, right? And you know, at the end of that 12 weeks, we have a break, right? And what that can do in terms of like your just mental health, your attention to detail, like, hey, I have 12 weeks this is where I'm at with my fat loss. After those 12 weeks, I know I'm gonna move into a maintenance phase. I feel like we'd be better uh, able to take advantage of that time and really execute on that time as opposed to getting in the trap of like, oh yes, I'm training for fat loss with an indefinite timeline on it. And then we don't have kind of that end date to almost motivate to push us like knowing hey i have a break at the end of this time uh and there's some some cool research from i believe it's dr bill campbell from ucf uh university of california no florida it's florida you usf yep you you it might be it's one of the florida universities and my previous boss went there when i worked in colorado and i'm gonna forget but i believe he's from there and he, there's some cool research on diet breaks and knowing like, hey, if I have a break at the end of X time period, how much more almost on track people can be. USF, USF South Florida. South Florida. Okay. I gotcha. It is USF. Thank you. I don't have my phone with me. Um, but knowing how much, like if you have that expected break coming up, we can stay a little bit more on task as opposed to that constant almost disappointment of like, oh yes, I'm training for fat loss, but not losing fat, right? If we're not losing fat, are we truly training for fat loss? Or are we simply getting frustrated at whatever those lifestyle factors may be that aren't aligning with actually losing fat during a fat loss phase of training? The, yeah. I know I kind of took that in of different direction well it was a good direction because i think the the beauty about this podcast is that we introduce these directions so that you can kind of understand the 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 stuff that's out there we we do we don't want to be like so one-minded right Right. that's why that's why we kind of chose a different fitness topic today but going off of that a little bit too the other things that you reminded me of that I that I think we can like we want to flush this home because when we when Emily and I have a both answer that the gut says no, but at the same time, we can tell you that a person that's been here for a year has lot fat has lost fat basically from day one to day three hundred sixty five because they followed our plan that we wrote for them and because they understood this process. But if you try to go for that twelve week phase of hey we're gonna lose as much fat as we can or if we're gonna train for fat loss I should say it that way in these next 12 weeks, then we're going to maintenance, then we're going to try this and this. The long-term approach of not trying to be in this caloric deficit and not trying to burn yourself out all the time is the answer for training for fat loss forever. You kind of go through seasons or cycles of how you train. 
but to just always try to train for fat loss and to try to burn yourself out and to try to minimize the calories and try to do all that is not the way you want to do it, which is probably the the logical way or the, the way that most of the stuff is presented out there, right? But I personally believe that the way that you lose fat the right way is when you go to a maintenance phase and you can keep it off, right? So if you were to lose fat and, and try to train for fat loss forever, and then as soon as you stopped or you went to maintenance, you gained it all back and started gaining it all back, you did it the wrong way, right? Your body wasn't able to, to sustain it. But maintenance is the ultimate sign of success in my book. And there's a lot of people like, hey, we're going through a maintenance phase. and like, what? No, I'm, I'm doing so well. I'm like, right. But this is, you'll continue to do well if we did it right. So trusting that process and knowing that that's where it goes to. And my other analogy is the NFL analogy. I always bring this up. If, if an NFL athlete, a professional NFL player, were to play all year round, their body would be demolished on what it becomes from week one to week 17 and beyond, right? I attribute that to fat loss, right? A fat loss phase at, at most should be probably 16 to 17 weeks, maybe 18 that should be the longest you should be trying to train for fat loss before you need to switch up a different type of cycle. And uh, if an NFL player tried to play all year long, their their body, we would see guys that only be able to play for three or four years. Think about a running back and a wide receiver, like a running back in particular. They don't play very long in the NFL because their body takes such a beating in the NFL, right? Um, but if you're training for that for fat loss, your your body can't keep up. So you need to cycle this in and out, but in the long term, you are helping your body lose fat loss, or you're you're helping your body gain for fat loss, right? But you can't you can't be you can't be so gung ho about um, depriving and, and and starvation and then just outworking and trying to outwork. That's not how the body will lose fat, um, and and that's what I think the traditional when we say can you lose fat loss forever? Can you train for fat loss forever? I think that's the traditional route that people want to take. That's why Emily and I say no, mm -hmm. when in the term of how we want to actually create cycles of 12 weeks or 16 weeks and then a, and then a maintenance and then a, a, a strength development phase or something like that, something that you can still continue to work hard and strength train and do all these things that will long term as a side effect result in more fat loss for you uh, is how we get you to continue actually doing this for a long term thing and not have the body get hurt and not have the body get burnt out and not have you be mentally frustrated, right? But if we're doing all these things, then you just go back to like your eating habits and like if you're not putting other things into play, that that's a whole nother conversation that we can save for another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think you summed it up. Uh, what I was trying to say and kind of got a little off track with quite well um, in terms of like, yes, long term, we can have that end goal of especially like larger um, fat loss goals, like if we're trying to lose a larger amount of weight, uh, that can still be there long term, but our actual actions have to be periodized to allow for that times of recovery, to allow for different strength goals that we might have throughout there, right? You just might be sick of training higher training and allowing the body the freedom to mix that up. Um, and just, again, that mental aspect that comes along with it to make sure that we're engaged with our training and, and attentive to what we are doing and not just frustrated from pounding our head into the wall, chasing the same goal day after day after day. Yeah. Periodized is a word, guys, for those of you that aren't familiar as a strength and conditioning coach or personal trainer of like a different cycle, right? So periodized is how we plan 
uh, a periodized plan is how we make the plan change uh, according to your goals and how to cycle in and out of certain things. Um, I think is the easiest way I'll describe that for you. Yeah. Uh, um, like that. We call it periodization. Probably should have. Yeah. Should have okay. used the phases. And... The other part too, guys, is when you first start your fitness journey or if you haven't done something for a long time and started up again, you're probably going to see more results up front or you're going to get better results when you begin than you will long term, right? So as you become more experienced, you have to continue to push the body in different ways to get different results. And uh, doing that same thing over and over and over again, expecting the same results isn't how it's done, right? There, there's a good chunk of that that then becomes maintenance, but then you, there still has to be uh, certain micro things that we have to plug in that help you move forward and, and, and kind of create uh, a new stimulus to uh, promote further development or change physiologically and physically in the body. But a lot of beginners, you know, especially in their first 12 weeks, will see incredible results just from walking, right? They, they don't even need to do some of the other stuff. Again, strength training in, in our example just sends the right signals to the body to burn uh, the right things, which we want as fat, and preserve the right things, which we want as muscle. There's a lot of stuff that people will do cardio for hours and hours and hours and burn a thousand calories, but they're whipping away muscle like crazy, right? They're losing muscle too. They're losing everything. They're losing water, losing muscle. And again, everything burns calories. Us sitting here right now on this podcast talking to you is burning calories for, for Emily and I, right? So everything can do it. Um, some can just do it a little bit more, but that doesn't mean it's more effective, for example. Um, which is why we talked about walking on the first mm -hmm. episode. But yeah, training for fat loss forever in the in the way that you probably think it's done, no. In a structured, periodized uh, program um, developed for you and looking at the long term with, with different types of cycles and, and uh, uh, a, a true program, like a training, not just randomly exercising or working out like a training program, yeah, it becomes a little bit more, but there's different emphasis on those uh, cycles and how it's periodized. There's there's different things that we're working on to promote more of that uh, long-term fat loss. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I don't know. I also don't have anything to add there yeah. either, but I think we're pretty much, pretty much covered the, if you can train fat loss forever, I think if you, again, have a fat loss goal, maybe kind of examining what you're doing for your training currently and making sure that it's matching um, your not only short-term goals, but your long-term goals as well, uh, to make sure that you are setting yourself up for that, again, long-term success, not necessarily that short-term kind of crash and burn approach. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the ultimate thing that we want to get through is like, don't fall for the short-term crash and burn approaches. We'd love to see you guys stick around and, and use fitness as the biggest tool that we think it's there for is to make everything else in your life better. Um, because we feel like that's what fitness can do, especially outside of the gym. Um, and, and going through that route. Some some future episodes, we've, we've gone almost an hour on this one. It's awesome. Uh, and, and going through it, and I think there's a lot of information on here that, that you can take away from. But future ones, there's there's different ones that we can kind of touch on, and we might be some of them spontaneous, but we're going to talk about healthcare versus sick care. We're going to talk um, just different types of things in terms of what am I looking at here? Do you have that one up? Um, nope. That's, that's so. okay. I don't think healthcare and sick care is yeah, healthcare and sick care. We're going to talk. Uh, that's that's one of the big ones. We're going to talk about body image and the new one that's out there with with, um, you know how how uh, self love 
and and body image and there's a big conflicting that uh, thing of that topic of that going around in the world right now just different types of things that we can hopefully help you start thinking differently and again make those better solutions on it but uh, also know that Emily and I have the bias of coming from a from a personal trainer strength and conditioning coach like that's that's going to be our background but I think the the beauty of why Emily and I work so well together is that we we view the person more holistically and their life is more of an holistic approach um, we're not just gym rats we we just happen to be in a gym but we want to see the people kind of live their best life outside of it without having to be uh, go through something more terrible uh, and, and looking at a proactive uh, approach with it as well yeah, I agree. I'm excited for kind of what's to come and um, some other future episodes like you talked about. Uh, still diving into the, the trending fitness topic. If there's mm-hmm. any questions that you guys have from us. I know we did a podcast episode a while ago with, with a question and answer type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys have any questions for us, we can start kind of collecting those or topics that you want to see. Maybe you have a something you've been wondering, maybe you want to get our take on. Um, you can always let us know either in the social media posts or comments or shoot us a shoot us a message somewhere and For sure. get a hold of us at the gym as well yeah however you're listening to us don't forget to review us and rate us let us know how we're doing let us know what we can do better um be honest with it right don't just give us five stars because we're good looking like be honest with it let us let us know how we're doing and then hit subscribe we want to make sure you hit subscribe so that you can get the notice first when we put these new episodes up uh which will be every monday and uh, we'll keep them coming but uh, until then guys we'll see you next week on the oofda podcast Uh, This is episode number two. We're happy to be here with you. Until then, cheers. Bye, everybody.